My name is Richard Kestenbaum. I'm a partner at Triangle Capital LLC. What I love about retail is that it's the place where business meets consumers. And retail is the industry that lets you see what's going to happen next in society because retailers are always retuning themselves to adjust to where society is going. Hi, I'm Rob Sanchez, and I'm here with Rebecca Fitz, and we are with Richard Kestenbaum today. And uh, I'd, I'd love to have you just unpack a little bit about what you do and tell us a little bit about where you're sitting inside of retail right now. My name is Richard Kestenbaum, and I'm a partner at Triangle Capital. We do mergers, acquisitions, and capital raising for retail and related businesses. I've been doing this for a very long time. I was a partner at a firm called Drexel Burnham Lambert long time ago, and my partner, Errol Glasser, and I started this company coming on 20 years ago. We help companies to, and very often, we help founders to have liquidity events and raise capital. That is to say, liquidity events is where they take money out of the business and put it in their pockets and raise capital. Because of what we see and because of who we deal with, we tend to see trends in retail pretty early. And so I started writing a blog about that, and for the past five years, that blog is on Forbes.com. And the question I'm always trying to answer is, what do we see in the world right now that helps us understand what the world will look like in a year or two or five? The answer to that, if you can ever find it, is the answer to that helps us be better bankers. And I find the question just fascinating. Where is the world going? So that's how the two of those things work together. As you're thinking about retail, do you have an area that you prefer to specialize in? Or do you think that different sections and different areas kind of rise to the top at different times in society? You know, we are fundamentally in the capital markets. Capital markets go where the opportunity is. And if we're in retail, that means wherever consumers are going. So in the last several years, we've been expanding into pet and beauty and other related businesses because that's what consumers want. So you know, we used to be very active in fashion, and fashion's less interesting because fashion's less interesting to consumers. You know, the fundamentals, the economics, what drives the opportunity, that doesn't change when you go from sector to sector within retail. But, and the understanding of it doesn't change either. But the channels do change, or the, the sectors do change, and actually the channels change too, because of how consumer tastes change. What do you see rising to the top? I know you've written recently about grocery and kind of that coming to the forefront. What do you think is the current landscape and how has that shifted in the last year or two? There are so many things that are happening in retail and perhaps more change now than and in the last several years than we've seen in forever in retail. So it's a hard question to answer. You mentioned grocery. I think grocery is the industry facing as much or more upheaval as any sector in retail. And the reason for that is because grocery has very little room for error. It's a very low-margin business. You sell the potato chips and mustard for, if you're a grocer, for not much more than you paid for them. So you have to do everything right. And consumers now are ordering more and more out of the store for home delivery and out-of-store pickup. When they do that, they cause extra cost to happen to the grocer because now the grocer has to pick the stuff off the shelf and bring it to wherever the consumer is. And there's no room in the margin for that. 
and yet it's a huge demand on consumers' part. In addition, when fewer consumers go into the stores, the stores become non-economic, and how the industry adapts to that is still a question mark. No one's figured out how to do home delivery at scale profitably yet. And it's going to take a lot of technology to create efficiency to do that. There are very few sectors undergoing or facing that kind of rapid change. But there's still a lot of change in retail. With the shutdown that we all experienced during the pandemic, consumers have learned more how to shop online. And virtually every consumer has now been buying online things that they swore they never would. And some of those habits are going to stick. And how retailers adapt to that and what they do with their stores when consumers come back is a big question mark. There are clearly fewer stores needed, and that's why we see so many vacancies all over the country. What's going to happen to that retail space? What's the value of that retail space? When I talk to CEOs of retailers, they tell me they want fewer stores and smaller stores. And I ask them, what if you had a bigger store for the same price as your smaller store? Because the space is just sitting there. What would you do with it? There are all kinds of answers, but no one really knows yet what they're going to do with stores and how they're going to attract consumers to come into their store when they no longer have to to get the stuff that they know they need. Do you think that part of that solution is going to be around experience and doing something? I don't know if you're familiar with Great America and, and what they're doing in New Jersey right now. I think it's Great America where they basically built a theme park that's also a mall. And then you have like the rise of medical inside of mall spaces and, and shopping centers and rising gyms and so on. Do you think that some of that more like activity-based and destination-based is going to sh be part of the shift? Or is there another set of solutions that you're starting to see? I think you're referring to American Dream in New Jersey. And I've been there. And in fact, I've written about it. And I think, I can't say if they're going to be successful or not. They've had so many challenges that are particular to them. But what they're doing is the future of retail. And what makes that so challenging is that every retail store used to be the same. It had stuff. And if you wanted stuff, you had to go to the store to buy it. Well, now if you just want to buy something, you don't have to go to the store. So what's going to motivate consumers to go? American Dream's answer is we're going to create recreation and we expect that you're going to shop when you're here, even though that's not what you came for. I think there's a huge part of retail that's going to evolve to that. It's very much the model along the lines of Las Vegas or Orlando. You don't go to either of those places to shop or 99% of the people don't. But when you're there, you wind up shopping, and the shopping relates to the place. You're not very likely to buy a hat with mouse ears in Las Vegas, and you're not as likely to buy a Fendi bag in Orlando. The shopping has to relate to the experience, but the experience is what draws you in. What's hard about that is that where every store used to be the same, piling up stuff that you had to go to to buy, now every store needs a different reason. Every store can't have the same events and entertainment. And you need the events and entertainment to draw the consumers in. And the events have to relate to the product in order to draw the right consumers in. That's a big unknown in retail. So will American Dream succeed? We don't know. 
What will retail stores look like as places to draw in consumers aside from the products that are there? We don't know. That is one of the most fascinating and fundamental questions about retail right now, in my opinion. You touched upon pets, the industry there, um, as well as beauty. It seems coming out of the pandemic also kind of not even life sciences, but medical, as Rob kind of referenced, is also playing a big role in, in taking spaces. What are the trends you're seeing there? I'm seeing a lot of temp spaces being filled by COVID testing, but will that live on? Well, yeah, there's going to be less need for COVID testing, obviously, when no one can say when. We all have our own opinions about that. But health generally will definitely become more of a retail space. The things we see are health and food and events. Events are the most complicated because they're temporary and, and they need to, as I was saying before, relate to the product that's in the store. The other thing we're seeing is there's a lot of ways that people are trying to combine physical retail with online retail. And one of those is using the store for consumers who are, aren't in the store, like shoppable live streaming. And that's a huge thing in China. Of course, I forecast that it'll be $100 billion in revenue in 2022. It's just starting here. And no one's to say how successful it can be in the United States. There aren't a lot of reasons to think that it should be so much less successful here than it is in China. So that's a big opportunity. And it's one of the ways in which retailers are finding uses for the store in ways that are different than what the store did before. The other thing that's, that's related is the way in which store associates can relate to consumers who aren't in the store by not just bringing the product to them, but meeting with them on video. So during quiet times in a store, they can make video appointments or they can communicate with consumers who are not in the store on chat or other resources. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about concierge appointments that are virtual. So using the store to its max for sure. And curious to see how um, teleshopping hits the U.S. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on um, the implications of some of these direct-to-consumer brands. And we've just had a, a lineup up of them, including Warby Parker, Allbirds, Rent the Runway, what the trend is there, what you're seeing, and what the implications are on investment and banking. There have been a number of IPOs lately. You mentioned Warby Parker, Allbirds, Rent the Runway. There are others. I haven't seen any company going public where I say to myself, man, I really wish I could own that stock at that price. You know, direct-to-consumer is a really interesting business and a really interesting channel to sell to consumers. And IPOs are things that get a lot of attention, especially in media and especially when they get high values. It's easy to confuse the two. People that go public are not necessarily representative of the non-public companies that are in their industry, that are their cohort. They're companies that can attract capital for, from the public for one reason or another. When we see a new form of business being created, it's typical for financial markets to overreact. And I think that's what we see in the market. Direct-to-consumer is a way for brands and retailers to reach their customers. It's applicable to new companies, old companies. It's applicable to everybody. Going public is not a great way to understand an industry, including the companies who haven't gone public or who have been in the industry for a long time. 
Sometimes it's a roller coaster. It's a very fickle market, and it's not necessarily representative of the opportunity in the industry generally. It's the companies that underwriters assess will attract consumers or investors' attention at a moment in time. Fascinating, particularly with, with all the activity right now. Well, we're probably a little ahead of ourselves on this, but there's another category that we're certainly interested in, which is, and I think Rob and I are interested in, and we're kind of interested from a 360-degree perspective, but certainly on the retail front, cannabis is beginning certainly to take physical space and I think becoming better at it. And it's taken a while for it to kind of get here. And I'm not even sure if it's really here yet. But what are you seeing and hearing in that category? Cannabis is generally the Wild West. And it's not clear who the winners and losers are in that business. It's not even clear what the winners and losers will look like in their business. So people are developing business models and no one knows what part of that will be a commodity and what part of it will be highly profitable. So there's speculation. Certainly, if you can create a brand that's known and recognized by consumers for which they will pay the non-commodity price, you have something very valuable. But besides that, it's hard to say who's going to win in that business. One of the things we are seeing is that cannabis is scratching at the market share of alcohol because it's becoming a replacement for events that or experiences where alcohol would have been the primary thing consumed. And how those two interplay in the future is not clear. Alcohol, like cannabis, is a highly regulated retail channel. So, you know, you would think the obvious thing would be for a retailer to have both alcohol and cannabis. We're probably never going to see that or never in the foreseeable future because of the way the two industries are regulated. But that would make sense. It would make sense for two such stores to be next to each other, the same way you see Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins, because they complement without competing. As far as the retail experience inside of that industry, I think in some places it's been hampered a little bit by regulation, but it's starting to shift and change. Do you think there's going to be a, a rise of replacements in some of the vacancies with cannabis? And how do you see that starting to eat into the space of the public? I don't believe that the cannabis industry is going to solve the problem of retail landlords. It will help, but locations for cannabis are generally highly regulated, and it's not clear how many of them we need. So they'll make a dent in the space. Right now, what I see is they're not taking up mainstream space where people pay high rents for foot traffic. They're in much more out-of-the-way places and their destinations. People buy cannabis with the intent of buying it when they leave their home or get into their car, they tend not to walk by it and say, hey, um, you know, I'm running low on cannabis. I need to buy some. You're listening to Retail Is Your Business. Today's guest, Richard Kestenbaum, partner at Triangle Partners, LLC. Coming up on part two of Retail Is Your Business, Rob Sanchez and Rebecca Fitz will talk with Richard about the supply chain, including current issues brought on by the pandemic, possible solutions, and the overall future of supply chain. This has been Retail Is Your Business. 
Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.